0: River Rock has been a leader of the cannabis community since 2009. What stood out to me mostly was definitely the quality of their product and the knowledge of their product. The way that they treat each individual person always with respect and they try to make sure that your needs are taken care of. That was Michelle. She's been a medical patient at River Rock for seven years now. Like she mentioned, the employees at River Rock always have their recreational and medical customers in mind, especially with pricing and two convenient locations both open until 10 p.m. River Rock's quality with their prices is pretty much unmatched. River Rock caters to their medical customers by providing exclusive benefits when they become a member, including $100 in-store credit, 25% off all full-priced items, and so much more. The sign-over benefits have been great for me personally, especially since I live on a limited budget. The sign-over benefits have helped me to get medication that I normally wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Find out more about the sign-over benefits and why people like Michelle have stayed with River Rock for this long at RiverRockColorado.com. Broncos Colorado.com
1: sitting in the south stands, drinking the curbs from mile high, the best part of the weekend, hugging a perfect stranger as they become a friend, having
2: Another day, another interview for the Denver Broncos. Kind of bad news for Chuck Pagano. His interview came and went without really any fanfare or buzz or anything like that. We didn't even really get to know when when he went in the building and when he left. Apparently, the interview ended around 5.30, I believe it was, Zach. Um, like I said yesterday, and like you said too, Zach, it's if... if Pagano's going to have any chance. It's basically going to be the Broncos go through all of their interviews and they look back and they say, man, Pagano, he kind of stood out among the rest. Let's bring him back. You know, let's do this again. Let's, let's go have dinner with him, whatever. The whole, you know, shenanigans, all the, the whole nine yards. It didn't happen yesterday. It's not a surprise.
1: No, it's exactly what we said yesterday, Ryan. Safe, great guy would bring respectability back to this organization inside the locker room uh, on a national perspective. That's what Chuck Pagano would be. Ryan, the conversation, if the Broncos hire Chuck Pagano, the conversation with every Broncos fan is going to be, oh, okay, good hire, good hire. There is no fanfare on the complete opposite side. If they bring Zach Taylor in, you may have some people saying, what the heck are they doing bringing this child, this 35-year-old into the organization? And on the other hand, you're going to have people on the complete opposite spectrum saying they just hired the next Sean McVay. This is the best move that John Elway has made in his tenure.
2: Yeah, this one is going to have the most fanfare. It's going to have the most controversy. It's the highest potential. It's the biggest risk. It's it's exactly what really I called for in my column the other day, which is swinging for the fences. And I'll say this a million times during this coaching search. There's no reason to not swing for the fences because unlike picking a quarterback or signing a player to a long contract, other than the money, which as I've spoken on before, it's not even their money that they're dealing with here. (laughs) um, Other than the money, there's no risk because guess what? If you hire Zach Taylor and he screws everything up, there's literally nothing stopping you from firing him in week eight if that's your prerogative. You 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 can recycle coaches and go through them as much as you want now eventually you will become labeled a coach killer and and that's probably why this one is so important for john elway to get right and to bring someone in that he's going to trust their plan and not just fire them right off the bat because if he was to go through another coach without giving them i mean i'm gonna say at least three years if this coach doesn't get at least three years and three might even be short john elway will be labeled a coach killer and and that's a hard reputation to shake if it's not already being stuck on him right now.
1: And because Ryan, we just we went through the list of where the Broncos rank earlier this week in terms of the quarterback that they have of all the open of all the teams looking for a head coach, we ranked them last. And if if you look at national media, what they're saying about this Broncos job, they're saying it's about middle of the pack for the eight openings right now. You add coach killer to that in their next coaching search, well, then the top one or two candidates, heck, you may not even get an interview with, even if you're John Elway, even if you're the great Broncos organization. So you're certainly onto to something there. But when you said that, that makes me think, how in the world can they hire Zach Taylor? He, he's, he's the highest ceiling, but certainly the lowest floor. And if you're going for that safe option, I mean, from what you outlined, it's the safe option that what they're going for. Chuck Pagano, safe option. We'll talk about these guys tomorrow. Uh, But Mike Munchak, Vic Fangio, those guys are the safe options, right? I don't think Vic Fangio is a safe
2: option, but I'm with you on Pagano and Munchak being safe options. Here's the thing, though, Zach, is I think regardless of how long this coach is around, I think it's the last coach that John OA is going to hire. So... The situation here is, okay, is John Elway's lasting legacy that he brought in, Zach Taylor, and Zach Taylor went on to coach the Broncos for, I mean, he could coach for 35 years, be the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Now, that's very rare in this day and age, but with his age, you know what I'm saying? Like, Does anyone think Sean McVay is is not going to coach uh, the Rams as long as he wants to? No, so that, certainly not. So that could happen with Zach Taylor. So that could be John Elway's lasting legacy is is he puts Zach Taylor in place. The Broncos go on to win three Super Bowls under Zach Taylor. Elway's here for another five years. He's just, he tips the cap and says, this is my legacy. We won another Super Bowl. Thanks. I'm, I'm riding off into the sunset. I'm going to go get drunk and play golf every day. <laughs> or... It could be the opposite with Zach Taylor where he hires him two years from now. It didn't work out. John Elway says, you know what? Gave it my all. Uh, I think it's time for me to bow out on this one. I think that's a possibility. I think whatever I, – I, I truly believe that whoever this guy is, it's going to be John Elway's last hire. So, again, go ahead and swing for the fences because you have a chance to if, – if he gets this right, and, and, this, is, and this is really true, if he gets this right and the quarterback right, all of these last – I mean, it's only been three years, and really it's just two. These last two years will be completely forgotten, completely forgiven. If he gets it wrong – and really, I mean, let's just say you hire Mike Munchak and you just go 9-7, and 9-7, 9-7. John Elway is still going to be regarded as a mediocre GM at best. So for me, I'm taking a swing for the fences – to try and leave my lasting legacy as not only the best player in the history of the Broncos, but also the best GM. And, and that's not out of the question if he's able to get another Super Bowl, at least one.
1: He's been connected with every Super Bowl the Broncos have had. So, yeah, that, that's not wild to say. And Ryan, on top of that, can you, can, can you imagine this? Zach Taylor can coach for 23 years with the Broncos, and just be starting where Mike Munchak or Chuck Pagano would be starting at today. Can you believe that? That's, 23 years. That's unbelievable. That is, that is wild. I mean, w- when Chuck Pagano and Mike Munchak got into the NFL as coaches, they were about the age. They, it, that was about when Zach Taylor was born.
2: Everything's getting younger. Um, I, I don't think we're that far from... Uh, how old is Sean McVay?
0: He was th- he younger, was 30.
2: right? Right, yeah. So he's 30. I was going to say, we're not that far, I don't think, for an NFL coach being in their late 20s. A guy who decides not to he's not good enough to play in the NFL, sort of like Zach Taylor. He's a backup, He's like a backup quarterback or um, a successful college quarterback who just doesn't profile for the NFL. He goes directly into being a grad assistant under the Lincoln Rileys of the world. Yep. He goes under Lincoln Riley after three years, decides to make him his offensive coordinator. He is innovative. He blows everyone away as an offensive coordinator, and someone somewhere takes a chance on him as a head coach at 28 or 29. I think that's, that's – we are headed towards that.
1: Is that going to be you
2: or I? Could be. <laughs> I mean, we're running short on time here, but uh, it could be. I mean, you know. Zac, that's uh, that's hey. a trendy, hey.
1: <laughs> trendy name right now. I, man, I I could I could get used to seeing that name floating around my timeline as often as it is today. But Ryan, who is Zach Taylor? Everyone knows he's you know potentially the next Sean McVay. Well, it's easy to say that because he works right under Sean McVay. Everyone knows he's a Rams' quarterback coach. But outside of that, who is he? Well, the biggest drawback about him is that he
2: went to Nebraska. <laughs> I knew you were going to have an issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the quarterback and beat CU thirty to three. And then, to make things worse, in the next game, CU lost seventy to three in the Big Twelve Championship <laughs> to Vince Young and the Longhorns.
1: Wait, so- CU. In the in the Big Twelve Championship, yeah. So, see how do you, you get to the Big Twelve Championship and lose by sixty seven points?
2: Well, one thing you should know about the old Big Twelve North is, <laughs> in the early two thousands, <laughs> the Big Twelve North was trash, so it was really easy to win the Big Twelve North. And so, yeah, the Buffs had already, uh, I believe, they had already locked up the Big Twelve North when they went into the game with Nebraska. They lost thirty to three. Still went into the Big Twelve Championship game against Vince Young, Mac Brown jamal charles probably and uh texas texas wins 70 to 3 so CU oh. wins the big 12 north and loses their final two <laughs> games by a combined score of 100 to 6 oh
1: my gosh you, you've you
2: i can tell that that's stuck with you for a while yeah <laughs> uh also middle finger to mac brown they were up by 50 points <laughs> sent an all-out blitz and some dude i don't even remember who it was he ended up going to the nfl like almost decapitated Joel Klatt and honestly pretty much derailed his NFL, his prospective NFL career. Literally in there, the game's completely over. They send an all out blitz on third down. This dude takes off his head. It would have been targeting times a million. Uh, wow. And Joel Klatt had like a, a concussion that lasted through the entire draft process and everything. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty awful. So, anyways, um, yeah, back to Zach Taylor. (laughs) I'll stop reminiscing here about the dark days of CU fandom for me. Um, Other than going to Nebraska, he actually has quite a bit of experience in the NFL. Um, When I first heard his name, and, and this is, you know, I'm just being honest here. When I first heard his name, I thought, like, this quarterbacks thing was kind of his first real gig yep. um, in the NFL under Sean McVay, and he's kind of an up-and-comer, and, and everyone loves him, and, you know, someone's going to take a chance on him. It's not the truth. This is actually a demotion, really, he's taking there in Los Angeles. Um, he has already had two different offensive coordinator jobs, one in Miami and one in Cincinnati. Yeah, and what what did he do? He ended- And from being a play caller in Miami. He's able to take what he learned from being a play caller in Cincinnati and now work under arguably the best or second best play caller in the entire NFL and say driver since before the subscriptions fee started as well. Typically, I'm very active with the BSN Avs crew, but I've been wanting to get more involved with the Broncos side of things. Well, welcome to the community. Welcome to the family. Yes, yes. Now that Joseph is gone, I should be able to be active here without being emotional and communicating way more strongly than I should be in an internet forum. Thanks for the stellar coverage, guys. Sincerely, I wouldn't expect anything less from a team with the BSN stamp of approval. Okay, here's my question. And as someone who is not a believer in Haskins as a long-term answer, I'd like to present you guys with a hypothetical. If you knew for certain that the Broncos would have an opportunity to take Tua from or another top quarterback, would you still sell the farm for Haskins this year? To me, granted I'm no pro scout, Haskins is not up to snuff with last year's or next year's draft classes. Wouldn't it be better for Elway to bolster the offensive line and defense and pave the way for a true franchise quarterback to take over? Yes, hypotheticals aren't always ideal, but if Denver takes Jones or Greer in the second round
1: and doesn't sell the farm, they could always swing again on a quarterback next season. I mean, Yeti, Roy, you you bring up a lot of great things, and I and I like what you said. If you have the if you know you're going to be able to take Tua or From, yeah. That, that, then you hold off. Stop right there. Oh, I hate From. Okay, okay. If you know you can take Tua, do you pass on Haskins? And you're a Haskins guy.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, if if I know Tua's is going to be there, I'll take him. He's the best quarterback in college football.
1: Yeah. So so there we go with that. And
2: by the way, just say no to From.
1: Yeah, tch, man, he did not look good at all. Really quick, maybe I missed it. What was up? The, during that game, the commentators, of course, I'm talking about Texas or Texas Georgia, the commentators kept saying Georgia wasn't, the the players weren't excited to play this game. They said that like 50 times. What? What? What was that about?
2: I, I mean, it's a classic thing that happens when a team gets snubbed from
1: what they believe they deserved. That blows my mind. What was it? The Sugar Bowl? Mm hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, and that's a big red flag for Fromm to me because he's the quarterback. He's the leader of the team. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I
2: actually kind of agreed with the commentators. Um, it, it, I mean, I've seen it happen to my own Buffs. They, you know, beat Nebraska 62 to 36. Um, they were they missed by percentage points in the B.S. B.C.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing, and Nebraska went to the national championship after they just gotten their freaking tails whipped by the Buffs and they got their tails whipped again by by Miami but also CU got their tails whipped by Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl because they just they felt like they they were above it you know and meanwhile Oregon's coming in there with Joey Harrington as their quarterback <laughs> trying to prove a message and they never you know they didn't feel like they were snubbed from anything they right. felt like this was their opportunity right not that they missed out on an opportunity it happens almost every year with with some team
1: oh i just what Terrible leadership all the way around. Maybe they're missing your guy, Mel Tucker. They were. They were certainly (laughs) missing Mel Tucker.
2: I mean, they they gave up way too much. It looked
1: easy, honestly, for Texas at times. It really, really did. Now, now, so the answer to Yeti Rose's question is, yeah, you do wait if you know you can get Tua. And here's a plan to uh, not ensure that you'll get Tua. But look, you're sitting at 10 in the draft. That's a pretty good place to move back to 25, move back to 20, and pick up an extra first-round pick, pick up a 2020, 2020 first-round pick, and then at, at, at pick number 25 this year, you pick up a tackle, you pick up a defensive lineman, you make a smart choice there, and then you have two first-round picks in 2020, and one of those is likely on a team with a young quarterback because that team moved up moved up with you to get a quarterback and the way this draft seems to be coming together the second quarterback may be available. I don't think the second quarterback's going to be available at 10, but some a lot of draft experts right now do think so. And then man, then let's say that team is bad because they're with a rookie quarterback that year, then they have a top 5 pick and you have the 10th pick again. There you go. You don't you're not selling the farm to move up to number 1 to get to a. So boy, in a dream scenario, I can certainly picture where that is the perfect thing to do. Mm, you've got my attention. <laughs>
2: you know, last year I did a story of like the plan, right, for the Broncos yep. in the offseason. And I and I haven't done it yet and and I haven't even really had a chance to think about it yet, but as I think about it, I like I like what you're on to there. Trade back this year and stock up so next year you can move up and and get your
1: guy. Man, and then if if you go with Zach Taylor as your head coach, John Owey's not going to say, yes, we're one year away. Let's just take this year off. He's not going to say that, but his actions would all be saying that. Man, that would be so exciting. You have to have a plan. Uh Uh-huh, yep. You got to have a plan. You
2: can't just take everything one year at a time. It's just like Vance Joseph. You can't take everything one play at a time. You have to see everything... You know, as a GM, you have to be seeing things three years ahead of right now. So, if you were to, if you were to put that plan together and say, we're going to trade back this year, we're going to have two first-round picks, then, you know, maybe next year we have, um, you know, five and, and 17. You don't think you can package five and 17 to get one? You
1: probably can. Or at least two or three? Yep.
2: That's the move.
1: And you're not selling the farm. Could you imagine not selling the farm, not trading the future away, not gambling everything in order to get your quarterback?
2: Right. So who, are you tra- who is
1: trading to get 10? Man, I, a team like the Chargers, potentially. like Not the Chargers, but, I mean, that's the exact move the Chiefs made. So maybe it is the Chargers. You know, you have a quarterback that's playing well, uh, and that's the move the Chiefs made. What did they do? They went from, like, 22 in the draft – up to ten or eleven to get Patrick Mahomes, something like that.
2: I like it. I like it. Then again, you're not getting. Uh, you don't want. Uh, you know, the Chargers are probably going to be good again next year, so you're probably not getting as much value. Right there, maybe it's. Um, maybe it's the Raiders. They have a lot of draft capital. Maybe they want to trade up and get someone. Yep. Now I don't know about dealing with the Raiders, but. You know that maybe they want to trade you a late first round pick and something else to get back up into this, and then mm. uh, you, you'd have to specify which pick it was next year. I don't know. I, <laughs> we'll we'll talk more about this late at a later day. To answer your question directly, no, I'm not telling the farm to get to get Haskins if I know we can get another guy. But as I said last year, you ne- you don't ever. La- this is what I said last year. You don't ever want to be at five again. You're never planning on being at five again. Why not get your guy now? I'll say the same thing. You're not planning on being at ten again. You don't want to be here. You want to be at the end of the first round for for the foreseeable future. Capitalize whether it's doing something like you mentioned. Yep. You, you got to use this this capital that you have here to do something because again, next year let's let's just say you pick a, a, you know a corner at ten, best corner in the draft or or top five, top two. Well, next year, let's say you pick at 18. Well, now you're screwed because all you have is 18. And unless you're going to send a Von Miller or something else and, and get crazy with it, you're not getting all the way up to where you want to get. So
1: something to keep in mind as we move forward here. Ryan, we, we gave a really long answer to the first, first few questions. This one – I think it's going to be a pretty short answer coming in from Eugene Gaines. He says, "Do you think Rex Ryan has any interest in coaching? If so, why isn't he a candidate? It seems like he'd meet the criteria John Elway listed."
2: I don't. I don't know if he has interest in coaching. Even if he did, I just don't
1: think he's that good. Yeah, he would. I don't think he'd be a candidate at all. Because look at all the guys the Broncos are looking at, except for Zach Taylor, all of these guys would bring respectability. And stability. I don't think you say that about Rex Ryan. Probably not. All right, from 702
2: Pilot. Guys, thanks for the support. We really appreciate all the support for the military. Of course, and and of course, we appreciate your service and thank you for that. Uh, He says, question. Seems like a lot of candidates are more defensive-minded head coaches, but with our struggles on offense, I think we need an offensive-minded head coach or hire someone other than Musgrave. Who do you think would be the best offensive mind and coaches for us to interview? And who would you prefer for a head coach or even a new offensive coordinator? Thanks again for the content and much love from Columbus, Mississippi.
1: Are the Broncos missing out on any head coaching candidates besides Cliff Kingsbury that, that just screams like great offensive mind? Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> exactly. And they're not going down that route, at least as of now. To answer your question straight on, Zach Taylor would be your answer with with, with the innovated offensive mind. And really, I think you bring up a good point that most of these guys are defensive-minded. Why aren't they focused on the offense? I think it's as simple as they have the answer. It's it's Kubiak. They already know what that answer is going to be. Unfortunately, you're right. Um,
2: Zach, I just want to bring this up now because I keep forgetting to bring it up. And the reason I keep forgetting about it is because it's never been a conversation with the Denver Broncos. What if they don't get their top guy?
1: Mm. Do
2: we have to start thinking of Chuck, you know, everything I'm, I'm basing my opinions off of the way things have gone in the past. Okay, the last guy they hire, they have a long interview with him, and they decide to hire him. What if they do that with Vic Fangio, and, and he says, thanks, but no thanks? Thanks. Then they're gonna to have to circle all the way back around, and maybe they come back to Chuck Pagano, maybe they come back to Zach Taylor. I I just I want to remind us that is not a a a home run sure thing that the Broncos are going to get their first choice.
1: That's a great point. It is a great point. He he, he could very well say, "Thanks for the steak and and the nice Cabernet," but I'm going to Miami. I'm going to this other place, and. Remember when John hinted after the draft that they didn't get their guy in the second round? Yes. What if what James if we, Daniels? Exactly. What if we figure that out this year with the coaching search? That would just be—it would be a harsh reality of where the Broncos are.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to keep that in mind. I just want to keep reminding us: just because someone's John's first choice doesn't mean the Broncos are that guy's first choice as well. Now again. Broncos are a proud organization, um, you know, a lot of great history, and, and working here as a head coach is not a, certainly not a bad job. You know you're going to have a commitment to winning above all else, but there's just no guarantees. There's, and I think every other coaching search we've went through, you could say whoever the Broncos want, they're going to get there, the Broncos. Right now, with the teams they're in this cycle with, they're not number one. And so, just be weary of that. Now, again, the teams that are in front of them might all be going for offensive-minded head coaches, and if they want Vic Fangio, they might be able to have him because all the other teams are going offense and they want, they want to be the one team to go defense. Then it's kind of like drafting Bradley Chubb, right? Get the number one defensive guy instead of the number four offensive guy. Maybe. Maybe that's the way they look at this thing. But I just want to keep in mind that, you know, Chuck Pagano, keep him in mind because maybe the Broncos circle back to him if they get
1: turned down. Yep, it's it's really good point. Coming in from Mr. Freeze, he says, I would be pretty satisfied with Pagano as head coach. I don't in any way want Kubiak back as offensive coordinator. I think it would be interesting to hire Zach Taylor as offensive coordinator with some guidance from Kubiak. If they really want to keep Kubiak around, make him GM. He's really good at scouting talent, but his offenses have never impressed me. So my dream team coaching staff would be Pagano, Taylor, and Woods. Kubiak can bring Taylor along, and Pagano can bring Woods along. I think you got to just kiss uh, Joe Woods goodbye. I I
2: really don't see him being around. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just my take on it. And I think you got to get used to the idea of Gary Kubiak as offensive coordinator, because he has interest in other places to have that job, and if he wants it, he's going to have it.
1: Yeah, it's just something that everyone needs to accept and be okay with, because in one week, Ryan, that could be the first assistant coach announced. Well, it would not surprise
2: me. It would not surprise me at all. All right, uh, this next one here is a kind of a heartfelt one that comes in. Uh, from Nacho Brad. He says, hey BSN community, I'm not sure what type of coach uh, Pagano would be or how his practices would go, wink wink at Ryan, but please allow me to share this one thought. I lost my father to leukemia in 2012. He was the anchor to our family and I miss him every single day. Pagano was diagnosed with the exact same type of cancer right around the same time and I followed his story very closely. I wanted to share this article from 2012 which describes Pagano's path through diagnosis, chemo, recovery, and most importantly, his drive to help others deal with their cancer journeys. He's transitioned from a cancer survivor to a mentor and guide for other families with the same horrible fate. Some of us, like me, are forever beaten by cancer, and others, like Pagano, have instead decided to stand strong and be a light for others to follow. He may or may not be a great coach, but he sounds like a pretty remarkable person, and for anyone curious about this guy who could end up being our next head coach, it's worth a read. Thanks for letting me share, second to last in relevance, but first in your hearts, Nacho Brad.
1: Brad, I'm, I'm really, really sorry to hear that, but you, you hit it on the head. There's no question what type of guy Chuck Pagano is, and thank you for sharing that article. Um, it, he, it's, it's great when people who go through something like this take advantage um, uh, of the platform that they're on, and he certainly has done that. And, Ryan, you, you met Chuck Pagano back at the Super Bowl?
2: Yes, I met him at Super Bowl 50. He was kind of just, I mean, if, if you've ever been to a Super Bowl, you realize that just everyone is there. Um, and so he was still the coach of the, the Colts at the time, um, but he was kind of going around doing radio appearances, talking and whatnot. Uh, and being from the same high school, I was like, oh, I have an icebreaker. So I, I saw him in the hallway and I said, hey, you know, go Knights, go Fairview. And uh, we ended up talking, and I shared this on Twitter yesterday. Within five minutes, I felt like we were friends. We knew each other, and to the point where, like, if he like, I I would have been fine telling him my life story right then and there. Wow! He's just that type of engaging person where I felt like he was actually listening to what I was saying. I felt like he actually cared about what I was saying. I felt like, I felt like he was truly making a point to show that he was kind of into, like, like there in the conversation, you know, if I would have gone up to, I don't know who an example is, but another coach, it would have been very easy for them to say, hey, oh, nice to meet you, and keep walking, but he, he, he just has a special trait about him, which I'm sure goes a long way in these interview processes, and, you know, if he is considered for the head coach, would go um, a long way in building relationships with these players, there's just an engagement that he brings that Only a few people I've ever met in my entire life have.
1: Yeah, and so no question that he's a great guy uh, and and so cool for you to share that story, Brad, and and especially the article just detailing how much he's helped other people.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story, Brad. And and if anyone wants to go read the story that he linked, it's there in the comment section. And this seems like a good place for us to take a break.
0: The sports book bar and grill is owned by Denver natives who love Colorado sports. I'm a big sports guy. I love watching sports. I love people's reaction to sports when it's a high-stakes game. No matter what's going on in the world, it kind of unifies people. And everyone
2: seems to be a friend, <laughs> you know, when you're at a sports bar. So yeah, that's, that's the main reason I want to get involved in a sports
0: bar. That was John Porter, part owner of Sportsbook. Him and his team pride themselves in creating a great environment for you to enjoy your favorite sports with TVs in every direction you look and so much more. Something that makes Sportsbook unique is not just a sports bar. We also have a killer menu um, with a bunch of we got pizza burgers and melts and the combination of the food with the
2: experience of, of a Broncos game or an avalanche game or a Rockies game and having all that stuff packed into one. I mean, no one wants to sit at home by themselves and watch a game. You want to be around friends or you want to make new friends. You want to be full while you do it. And you also would like to have a few drinks with it as well. So with all the beers we have on tap and the diversity of our menu, there's no better spot to watch sports. You feel like you're in your house with all of your friends
0: with you. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by the Sportsbook Bar & Grill today.
2: Final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast, Zach Taylor Day, if you will. Um, And we've got plenty more questions here, so let's just keep rolling. First one comes in from Bad One. He says, Bad One Log 18. Hey, guys, my wife wanted me to chime in on this year's disaster of a season because she hears me vent all the time. She says... Maybe L.A. should do a better job at recruiting the right coaches and players. If you need some tips, I can help him since I do this for a living. She works in HR. Well, maybe she can help. I mean, all hands on deck, right? He goes on, anyways, I want to chime in on my thoughts per coach. Hopefully this won't be too long of a comment. Pagano, if we're going to hire a D.C., shouldn't we hire someone that can help us improve the defense? Chuck's defense is an indie or terrible. That is all I remember people saying. He just didn't have any guys. No guys. When he had guys, he was, in, he was a defensive coordinator in Baltimore, and he had a top three defense. I mean, in the end, you hear it all the time, but it is about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. <laughs> there are very, very few times, and really it's not sustainable. There are times when a coach who has less talent can beat a coach who has more talent. That happens. But it is not, it's not a sustainable model. And look, Chuck Pagano, with crap defenses – Figured out a way to go eleven and five. Now a lot of it was Andrew Luck and his like amazing, remarkable comebacks. So you gotta give Andrew a lot of credit. But I'm not knocking Pagano for look, he he didn't have control of the roster. He didn't have control of really anything. And Grigson and, and Ursay were investing on offense and not, you know, putting together a defense for him. So I'm not gonna blame him for that. He goes on. Zach Taylor, with an experienced offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and assistant head coach, this could work. My only concern is that his experiment, experience in places he worked before the Rams didn't really scream success. Yep, we've detailed that today. Mike Munchak, this brings me no joy or excitement. It's a flavorless snow cone. Okay. <laughs> Brian Flores, stay away from Pat's coaches. They seem struggle. Fangio, like I said about Pagano, if you want a defensive head coach to make sure your guy – can take your defense to a top 5D again. We hired a mid-level DC in Vance Joseph, and that was terrible. You can pair Fangio with a killer offensive coordinator and get the defense back to 2014-2015 form. That's it. I wish we were talking about another offensive hotshot. yeah, boy. Sorry for the long post bad one.
1: Sounds like you kind of, Ryan, with that last line. Wish we were talking about one more offensive hotshot. Of course, talking about the guy with the hotshot looks, Cliff. The thing is, I just don't think Cliff Kingsbury would take this job. Mm. Like there's another uh, head coaching job he's going to get offered? Or is USC offensive coordinator that much more appealing? Wow, the fact that you had to pause. It's
2: not that that job is more appealing. It's obviously a downgrade uh, monetarily. Here's what I think Cliff Kingsbury is thinking. You get one shot. And why would I go to a place with so much uncertainty in my one chance to be a head coach where my whole thing is offense, and I'm not going to have the pieces I need to put together a great offense? Now, on the flip side, he was with Case Keenum. He made Case Keenum. So maybe he says, I can do it with Case Keenum and Philip Lindsay. But with all that uncertainty, if if I was Cliff Kingsbury, I would say only place, I will, he, he knows right now he's going to get a head job. At one point in his life in the NFL, he has to ride this offensive wave, but I think that's going to last at least another five years. So he's going to say, if I'm going to get one chance at this thing to get it right, I got to go someplace where I have a QB.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's smart. And Ryan, that's why the Broncos are so far down on the list.
2: And you know what he should do? What should he do? If Eric Bianami gets a head job. Oh, man. He should go to the Chiefs be Absolutely. the offensive coordinator there.
1: Absolutely. So smart. I mean, back with Patrick Mahomes, working with Andy Reid, just dominate and then really get any head coaching job he wants. Yeah.
2: So, again, it's not that I don't think you'd want this job just because it's not prestigious. I just think he's being smart. Uh, he clearly – first of all, he loves L.A. That's very well documented. Uh, something about those QBs, those hotshot QBs in L.A. Um, second of all, he had he, – he just, he doesn't need the money by any means. He's getting bought out by, you know, by Texas Tech right now. I think he's going to wait for the perfect scenario as really every coach should. All right. Next question here comes in from Ryan Clayman. He says, hello, BSN family. Happy New Year's to all and happy New Year to you, Ryan. Just a quick question. I read an article and ranked the top head, I read, ranked the top head coaching jobs best to worst and wanted to get your guys' opinion on it. One Browns, two Packers, three Jets, four Cardinals, five Broncos, six Bucks, seven Dolphins, eight Bengals. Thank you
1: and can't, read, can't wait to read all the offseason articles. Zach? Looks pretty darn good to me. I mean, you have all the young quarterbacks above the Broncos. And Ryan, I agree with Ryan Klayman on this. But that's pretty damning that the, head, that the head job with Aaron Rodgers isn't number one across the board. Shows you about Aaron Rodgers, huh? Huh? Well, People buying in? Well, the,
2: roster, the overall roster in Cleveland is better, which is why Aaron Rodgers hasn't been able to have the success that he should. Well, that being said, it would be my number one job for sure. Not even close. Packers? Packers. You got a Hall of Famer. Baker Mayfield, maybe he becomes a Hall of Famer. Aaron Rodgers is a surefire Hall of Famer, and I'll take that job any freaking day of the week. You live but- in
1: Green Bay? I don't care. It's Cleveland
2: or Green Bay. Well, uh, well I guess it is Cleveland, yeah. Uh, or the Meadowlands. Okay, so here's my rankings. One Packers, two Browns, three Jets, four Broncos. I realize the Cardinals have Josh Rosen, and, and I'm a Josh Rosen guy? guy. But this is the Cardinals we're talking about. They have no fans. It's not even a real – it's like hardly a real NFL franchise. They're so irrelevant. Um, they just fired their other coach after one year. One year. Yeah, Vance Joseph. Some people think he got the plug too early. That was two two full years. This dude got one year, and in fact, they were talking about firing him mid-season. No one wants to go there right now. It, it, the the roster is trash. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire soon. It's I think he's actually a free agent this year. It is not. There's nothing pretty about being there. So I don't want to go there by any stretch of the mind. But the rest then, I would go Cardinals, Bucks, Dolphins, Bengals. Yeah. And all of those are jobs I would not want. All of the ones after the Broncos? Yep. The Broncos at least have the best pass rush duo in the NFL and that has to be worth something. That has to be worth something in these conversations, especially with the Vic Fangio who just, you know, did this with Khalil Mack even though like why is Khalil Mack getting so- Kalimak had 12 and a half sacks. Half sack more than Bradley Chubb. It's because he started so hot. Yeah, it's dumb. (laughs) Be a little more uh, wide-minded here, people. Um, But, yeah, so I think a coach has to look and say, okay, well, the the thing you need the most after a passer is a pass rush.
1: The Broncos certainly have a pass rush. Broncos have a lot of selling pieces on the defensive side of the ball. It's just the offensive side of the ball – and yes, you get to work with John Elway. If you're a competitor, that should fire you up. And John Elway's a competitor. He's only going to hire a competitor. So, whoever he hires, that's going to be a plus, being able to work with John Elway. I understand why some people say, uh, you, you know, he's a tough guy to work with. He's a coach killer. Yes. But the guy he hires is going to be fired up about that. And you get a chance to bring the Broncos back to what they should be. That should also fire your next coach up. And you're only going to hire a guy that that will fire up. All right. Next one comes
2: in from Bronco Jimmy. He says, greetings from down under BSN family. Your last podcast got me thinking. So I thought I'd shoot the stuff. I let that slip yesterday (laughs) about the coaching selection process and not so much on the candidates. You've both written great articles about what Elway should do and what he's looking for in a head coach. If the public message that is being put out is true, then I'm afraid it's flawed. Elway is a hall of fame player, but you can't be a micromanager as a general manager. I'm in management, albeit a much lower level than the NFL. However, micromanagement is not management. S- uh, starting a coaching search with your OC or any other coach already chosen is not the right outlook. We all love Elway and Kubiak for what they have achieved, but if they don't put out a pro- if they don't put a process in place for getting the best coach and doing what if they don't put a process in place for getting the best coach that's best for the franchise first. Then they're at risk for damaging their reputation along with the Broncos. In my ideal world, what the coaching staff would look like if Pagano in a, in my ideal world, what would the coaching staff look like if Pagano or any other candidates got to pick their own crew? Thanks and again for your hard work in building this great community. Your mate Bronco Jimmy.
1: It's yeah, I can't disagree with you. It's not ideal to have someone micromanaging every single thing and maybe New ba- new boundaries and borders are are drawn with John and this new staff. That's tough to do when you're telling that to your boss not to do that. Maybe that's something Joe and John talk about. But also, he's John Elway. I don't I don't know if that'll change very much. It's just about adapting to that as a coaching staff and being able to work with that. Or maybe with success, John takes a step back and John says, "Okay, these guys actually know what they're doing." Maybe John just had no confidence and Joe, and and Jack, and, and these guys who he's in every meeting with?
2: I'm 100% with you, Bronco Jimmy, that they're risking damaging their reputation and the Broncos reputation. Here's the thing. I don't think they look at it that way. I think they look at it as, we can win with our guys. John always says, I can win with Gary as a, as an offensive coordinator. Gary says I should be the offensive coordinator. I'm a great offensive coordinator, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't mean this in a negative way, but I don't think John Elway makes ever. I don't think John Elway makes every decision in saying what is the absolute 100 percent best thing for the Broncos. I think he thinks of things as this is this is the best decision. For how I want to run the Broncos, which I believe will have success. I don't mean, I don't, the reason I said I don't mean it negatively is because I don't think he's purposely trying to make decisions that aren't the best one. But I think he believes the best decisions are to get people around him that he likes to work with. So again, I, I don't agree with it. I don't, I think John Elway is a little too attached to his own people. But I believe that he and Gary Kubiak and Matt Russell and all these people believe they can, they can win Super Bowls with their formula, and that involves their guys.
1: Yeah, well, Ryan, how about this? Word coming out that the, the plane the Broncos traveled on, Pat Bowling's jet, isn't scheduled to leave California until 9 p.m. tonight. I think that means Zach Taylor is getting it in on the, on the town with them.
2: That's a little early for me.
1: For a steak dinner?
2: Well, I think they're gonna get a steak dinner, but I'm talking like a Oh a little, a little after dinner okay, drink.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, that's too early. They're not they're not hitting any of the fun clubs out there. So
2: what time did it get there? Do we know that? Don't know that. Not a lot of Broncos are being a little tight lipped on this one, treating it a lot different
1: than last time.
2: Yeah, no tweet from John Elway yesterday. I was waiting for it. You know, we had a great interview with Chuck Pagano, he brings a lot of experience. Blah 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 blah. blah.
1: Maybe after a nice steak dinner, a few beverages, maybe he'll shoot one out on Zach Taylor.
2: Maybe he got a new phone and he hasn't downloaded (laughs) the Twitter (laughs) app yet. (laughs) I was thinking this funny to imagine that Twitter that John Elway has Twitter on his phone. I don't know why that was funny to me but I was just like imagining like is it is it top left corner like it is in mine where is your uh, well, Twitter icon
1: Mine is second page second page it, it, it's it's very just you know thrown in with all the other ones I think I think it's surrounded by not some very important apps let's see second page next to an app called Hopper which to be honest I don't know what that does hopper is an app that
2: gives you great deals on flights
1: you're right that's what that does haven't used it in a long time um yeah next to calculator bruh no <laughs> wonder
2: you're always missing out on great
1: content mine is top left i don't rearrange my apps the first one i do, where where they're downloaded is where they sit oh my god <laughs> everything
2: <laughs> is very calculated here
1: i mean that makes sense to do
2: it that way I, mine makes no sense all right J.D. Fry, hey guys, question for the Zach Taylor pod: If you'd become the head coach with Kubiak being an assistant, who would you want to see be the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? And hope McMahon stays. So we're saying Zach Taylor's head coach and Gary Kubiak is like quarterback slash. I don't. I think it has to be Zach head, Gary OC, Clint quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. I mean, unless you just do away with a, a, a an offensive coordinator, which some teams do. Is that what um, the Rams do? Do they not have an offensive coordinator under Sean McVay? Correct. They don't have an offensive coordinator, and technically, technically, that's the same thing that happens in New England uh, with Brian Flores. He's not technically he's not listed as their defensive coordinator. A lot of people say defensive coordinator because he's their defensive play caller. He's their top defensive assistant. But he's but, not paid like a coordinator. Exactly. He's a linebacker's coach. Wow. <laughs> At least according to their website. All right. Um, so
2: let's just, let's just live in a world where somehow Clint Kubiak doesn't get the promotion. I just really don't see that happening. Who is the offensive coordinator? Is there anyone that you have in mind that you'd like to see come in here? Because to me, I just...
1: For Chuck Pagano? No, for Zach Taylor. Oh, for Zach Taylor? You know, Andre... Uh, our, our guy Andre made a good point that Zach Taylor's brother is the quarterbacks coach out in Philly. Wow. Maybe he comes on staff and that's a promotion for him. That would make sense.
2: That makes a lot. That makes even more sense. But that assumes he has, you know, the power to make his own hires. Yeah. Who Yeah.
1: Who will have more power there? I Not mean, attractive. Zach Taylor's going to have some power.
2: Not enough power to hire his brother over Gary Kubiak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. all right from chimichanga chris he says "Woo! it's been a while since i've last commented fellas i've been on vacation just catching up on pods and i'm glad to say i'm caught up now listening to three pods in one day that's living right i'm all aboard the haskins train watching him in the ohio state bowl game he was looking off safeties with his eyes like they were some division three alaskan assassin safeties. <laughs> not a terrific athlete but his pocket presence arm talent and manipulation of defenders reminds me a lot of Peyton." Go Broncos.
1: Yeah. I mean,
2: Zach Taylor and Haskins gets me fired up.
1: Because you're just looking at Jared Goff, right? And look what he's done with him. Now, I know there's Sean McVay a lot incorporated to that, but yeah, that's exciting. So here's a question for you, Zach
2: Where, if Haskins was in last year's quarterback class, where would you rank him? Of course, you got Baker, um, uh, Sam Darnold. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Man,
1: he would have been ahead of Lamar Jackson. He would, In my book, he would have been ahead of Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. <sighs> probably right there. And then probably, yeah, yeah, probably right there.
2: I think so, too. So, both of those two guys had a lot of success this year. They did. Um, <laughs> they
1: did. One of them's still having success. And again, the Broncos, I just felt like they never gave Lamar Jackson a fair shake. Oh, <laughs> That's what John that that's what John said when we asked him about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, funny.
2: Which is a little concerning to me on a on a different level that I'm not going to get into um, when it relates to Lamar Jackson and Dwayne Haskins. But um, I I would have put him at fourth at the furthest. Everyone knows I wasn't a big Sam Darnold guy. Yeah. Um, I can't really say if I would have ranked him ahead of him because it's just it's too hard to you know have hindsight like that. But there's
1: a chance I would have ranked Dwayne Haskins ahead of of Sam Darnold. What about the quarterbacks in 2020? Tua is your one. Is Haskins your two if if he's in that class? Yep. Trevor
2: Lawrence, by the way, you can go ahead and pencil him in as a future number one pick.
1: That guy is the truth. Monday night's going to be fun.
2: Man, I'm excited for that. (laughs) I'm just true freshman against that defense worries me.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. they're going to have a pretty good chance to rattle him. Wow. And you're a Clemson guy. I mean, you picked him to roll this past weekend. I was right. They're CU. Clemson University. <laughs> <laughs> Got to roll with them.
2: Uh, all right. Last one here comes in for Mr. T. Simple question for you guys. Would you trade Von Miller and this year's first for Haskins and then re-sign Shaq Barrett? Wow.
1: Okay. So you're, you're going – It's a trap. (laughs) So you're going, yes, it is a trap. You're going Von Miller. Wow. It's too much. Way too much. You think so? I would trade. Because how many firsts would it take to go from 10 to one? Von Miller. So that's exactly what you're doing. Oh, you're saying, you're not saying the value or you're saying. I'm saying you don't need to add in a first.
2: I'm saying you trade Von Miller straight up for the number one pick.
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think you go from ten where you are now to five. That's one first round pick. And then five to one is another first round pick. So that's two first round picks to go from ten to one. And that includes your number ten. And Von Miller's were two first round picks. So I think that's probably right. So you're okay, so you're saying you trade number
2: ten and von Miller for to get number one. Right. So you're you're swapping first round picks and, get, and and giving Von Miller. But what about if you don't have to get to number one? What if you only have to get to number
1: three? Or number five, like some people say may happen. I think ten to one with Von Miller's a fair price. I think that's about right. So Would you then draft Haskins, number one? Because there are other media members around here saying trade Von
2: Miller to get up to two and, and take Quinn and Williams. To me, why would you trade a top three defensive player in football for another defensive player? The only we, – we talked about this last year. The only position you trade up for is quarterback.
1: Yes. Ever. Yes. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm all for adding Quinn and Williams to this defense. All for it. But it's to pair with Bradley Chubb and to and pair Miller. with Von Miller. Whew, that's unstoppable. Yeah. Here's
2: a, here's a thought I had. The Broncos – very, very realistically could have had Bradley Chubb and Lamar Jackson.
1: All they had to do was trade back into the first round. Darn right they could have. That's wild. That is wild. The guy that's 5-1 and one is a starter, by the way.
2: Yes. Now, there will be a correction, and he's going to have to learn to throw a little better. But, man, just the thought of that. How much more? Imagine a, a backfield of Lamar Jackson and Phillip Lindsay.
1: Whew. Man. Running the option sprint on third and one. Man, with Bradley Chubb, Von Miller on the other side of the,
2: of the ball. Could have had it, but they never even considered Lamar Jackson. I mean, they Sean McVeighed him. Yep. I don't even know if they interviewed him. Yep. I okay. honestly don't know if they interviewed him at the, at the Combine. Or, or at the, oh, yeah, he wasn't at the Senior Bowl, so just the Combine.
1: Are they going to do the complete opposite this year? Are they just going to go Zach Taylor and uh, – I mean, Dwayne Haskins isn't. Lamar Jackson
2: I'm so sad Mackenzie Milton blew his knee up yeah because I was gonna I was gonna get on the the draft Mackenzie Milton in the third or fourth round train that'd been fun but he's not gonna be ready for a while I mean he 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 kind of did one of those things where he busted up everything in his knee uh. sucks um uh, there isn't really a Lamar Jackson of this year uh-uh there's no, I mean, Kyler Murray is who it would be, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's coming
1: out. I, I guess that is it. That'll if be interesting. If he comes out, where would he go? I think, man, I just think John would watch that, what was it, the second offensive play for Oklahoma where Alabama just ragdolled him, just grabbed him by one arm and threw him on the ground. I think John would say, nope, that's enough. Don't need to see anything more. How tall is Kyler Murray? Oh, man, he's like
2: five, five eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think John considers him in any world, uh, unfortunately. You need a
1: foot more for John to consider him. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunate. All right, Zach. Really quick, Ryan. Would you trade up to get Quinn and Williams? Because you just said, could you imagine... Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Quinton Williams. Where is Quinnen Williams going? Let's say he's sitting there still at five. Yep, 100%. A first? that So, 10th overall and next year's first? Actually,
2: I'm rethinking this. Okay. On the surface, I say yes, no matter what. Then I realize just, it doesn't do anything for you because you don't have a quarterback. Yep. If you had a quarterback... If you had a quarterback sack, I would say do literally anything. Trade the next 10 first round picks. Yep. If he's that good. But it doesn't do anything for you. Yep. So what are you going to do? Now you're going to give up 19 points while you're scoring 14 a game? Right. Yep. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You can't
1: do anything until you get a quarterback. Yep. Here's how I view it you can't trade first round picks to move up because first round picks get you quarterbacks. Exactly. You could trade, I, I would be up for trading. This year's ten overall, a second, a third, yeah, 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 yeah maybe yeah. a fourth, maybe next year's second, two seconds to anything, move up five spots. Anything but a first. Exactly. Because anything but your first. You,
2: that, That—that was, was my thought. Is you can't you can't give up first round picks right now because you have to have them. Yep. So you
1: can hopefully get a quarterback with one of them. Yeah, and then, but boy, outside of that, man, Quinn and Williams with that—that'd be awesome. But I shouldn't even get excited. John doesn't touch Alabama players with uh what do we call it? A, a ten a, foot vacuum <laughs> <yeah>. vacuum
2: <laughs> arm. What was that called? What did he get hit with? Tube? Vacuum tube. Vacuum tube.
1: <laughs> wow, what a season. Oh, uh, speaking of quarterbacks. Old Chad. <laughs>
2: All right, Zach. That's gonna wrap it up today. I thought maybe we
1: had a pick or something. Is there anything going on tonight? Is there any <sighs> tonight there's nothing. Well, I guess something about Sean McVay or Sean not even Sean McVay Zach Taylor
2: oh uh, yeah well we already kind of did that earlier yep. alright well that wraps it up for us today I, was, I, didn't want, I wasn't ready to say goodbye <laughs> but that'll do it
1: tomorrow who's, who do they have on the schedule tomorrow Munchak right tomorrow we got Munchak Munchak and then Brian Flores is on Saturday it was initially believed he was on Monday so we'll preview both of those guys tomorrow we'll spend as much time on Brian Flores as the Broncos plan on <laughs>
0: Believe it or not, finding the right safe for your needs is an art, and the staff at Colorado Safe Outlet has mastered it. Their team takes pride in their no-up-sale mentality and allow the customer to make an informed decision while never being rushed.
1: I would 100% recommend them to a friend because you really never think about how important having a good safe is until, you know, something bad happens.
0: They had the best brands
1: available, like uh, Superior and Champion, and they just had really exceptional service and knowledge, which I haven't really received from big box retailers in the past.
0: The Colorado Safe Outlet is looking for a new installer. Drab requires clean record, no felonies, clean cut, strong build, and reliable transportation. Wages start at hourly, but will quickly go to salary if you're fit for the job please call Drew Weaver at 303-333-7233 and check out Colorado Safe Outlet today. When I
2: was old.